This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. It's January, and that means bookworms are setting reading goals. One of my favorite strategies for reading more is to make sure I always have an audiobook ready. Not sure what book to download next? Rachel Hawkins just released The Villa, a stunning thriller inspired by Frankenstein, Fleetwood Mac, and The Manson Murders. The audiobook is read by a full cast of narrators, including one of my favorites, Julia Whalen, whose voice you probably recognize from The Great Alone, Educated, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and so many more. Start listening to The Villa by best-selling author Rachel Hawkins now, wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and today Lisa Unger is here to discuss Secluded Cabin Sleep 6, a chilling locked room thriller in which three couples rent a luxury cabin in the woods for a weekend getaway. And I have to say this book terrified me in the best possible way. I was up way too late reading, couldn't stop. Um, it is a great binge read to get anybody out of maybe a reading rut. It's just such a wonderful, um, wonderful book. And a little more about Lisa. She's the New York Times and internationally best-selling author of 20 novels, including Seclude including Secluded Cabin Sleep 6, Last Girl Ghosted, and Confessions on the 745, now in development at Netflix, starring Jessica Alba. With books published in 33 language and millions of copies sold worldwide, she is regarded as a master of suspense. Lisa Unger, welcome to A Bookish Home, and congratulations on Secluded Cabin Sleep 6. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Yes, um, I have so been looking forward to getting to hear more about this book and your writing process. Um, can you tell listeners um, a little bit more about the premise for the novel? Yeah, so, you know, when you first sort of open up the the cover of Secluded Cabin Sleep 6, you meet Hannah and she's at like her family Christmas dinner, right? And it's like, you know, like all of our family Christmas gatherings, like completely absent of, you know, dysfunction and sniping and all the, (laughs) (laughs) it's just an idyllic family gathering, like the ones that we all have at home. Right. Right. (laughs) And yeah, exactly. And so, you know, we kind of get to know her a little bit and her husband, Bruce, and, you know, they're kind of gathered at the table with her extended family. And at the end of, you know, the meal, they discover under the tree, a pack, you know, a, a grouping of packages. Nobody will kind of take credit. The, the, the from label says from Santa. And so nobody really knows where they come, where the gifts came from. Everybody sits down and opens um, their package and everybody gets a DNA testing kit and everybody reacts to it in a very different way. Yeah. And then, you know, sort of fast forward, you know, six months and Bruce and uh, Hannah, along with Hannah's brother, Mako, and his wife and their family friend, uh, Cricket, with a mysterious new boyfriend, are all headed out to the woods for a restful um, getaway. And, you know, they're all hauling with them um, a lot of baggage, you know, in the form of secrets and lies And uh, there's a stranger sort of lurking in the periphery and the stranger is running an agenda of revenge. And uh, there's a storm coming and cell phone service is spotty. So, you know, what could go wrong, right? (laughs) What could go wrong? Well, it's funny. I think um, I can imagine sort of books from the genre, genre where it's like a creepy hotel in the woods or something. And now... 
Um, it hits so close to home. We're also used to, you know, booking Airbnbs in different places. And right after I read it, I was going away with friends to an Airbnb, which was probably not smart. But uh, it just, it's so frightening because it's so realistic. And um, yeah, I just, I thought the book kept me guessing the whole time. And it's going to be hard. I don't want to give anything away as we're talking. What what initially piqued your interest in sort of this as the premise for for your next book? Yeah, so it was actually, you know, there's actually a couple of things that dovetailed to be like, sort of the seed for secluded cabin sleep six. And this is usually kind of the way it works for me. You know, I have my sort of ongoing obsessions, things that I'm doing a lot of thinking about and researching about. And in this case, that was kind of like, you know, the DNA testing, um, the business of the DNA testing and a little bit like, you know, last girl ghosted was about online dating and confessions on the 745 had a big feature of uh, social media and, you know, how it sort of um, undermines our privacy. Like, so I was interested in the idea of DNA testing and not so much in the technology as in like, as with all of them, like in more in the way of how it rewrites the way we relate to each other. And so that was a piece that I was kind of turning over in my mind. And then, you know, during the pandemic, um, my husband and daughter and I would just kind of take these socially distanced vacations to like the woods and we would rent these really beautiful luxury cabins, like sort of deep, you know, in the, in the woods, completely isolated and, you know, of course, you know, anywhere you take a thriller writer, you know, there's a thriller <laughs> waiting to happen. Right. So I can't, I can't help but think about, you know, the isolation, how freely we just kind of check into these houses that we don't really even know, you know, we rely on these like, you know, online reviews or not. And like, you know, you completely trust that, you know, this code that you've been given is secure to you and all this different stuff. And so like, that was just really, you know, I was interested in that as well. You know, how like, the, like you say, once upon a time, it was a hotel, you know, but now this is such a normal thing that we all do. We just like get on Airbnb or whatever our, you know, our website of choices and like find these places and then just kind of go let ourselves in and live there. Right. And it's weird. <laughs> we just go stay at strangers' houses and it's <laughs> just we do. We do yeah, now. and it's fine and usually. And so <laughs> but you know, it just kind of got me to thinking, but most things do, you know, like most places you take me, I'm gonna be looking for you know, looking for the exits. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that's interesting. Part. Yeah. Well, and I was just talking to um, someone this morning, um, the author of The Matchmaker's Gift, Linda Cohen-Leugman, and, and her book in a totally different way, but also had to do with COVID sort of inspiration. And I just think right. it's interesting that so many of the books that we're that are coming out now, they, they have nothing to do with COVID, but yeah, they have yeah, sparks yeah. that maybe wouldn't have come up were we not in these sort of strange circumstances. Like for her, her um, daughter had come home from college with her roommate and they were watching a ton of um, Indian matchmaker on right. watching and she ended up wanting to write sort of a feel good sort of story that had to do with matchmaking. And it's just funny that all these like creative works that are tangentially kind of related to kind of being in these strange circumstances. Well, yeah. you know, I, I did think it was interesting because the book has so many 
twists and turns and and does keep you guessing so much and wondering kind of who you can trust. I was wondering what your process is like for creating that. Like, are you surprised at all as you're writing? Do you have everything mapped out ahead of time? Do you know each character really well before you start writing? Yeah, no, I, so I, um, you know, usually I have, like I mentioned, you know, a seed, some type of inspiration, some kind of vague idea of what I'm curious about, what I think the book is going to be like some kind of general, like sort of, I don't know what, like sphere, right. Of where it could go, what it might, what it might be. And, uh, and then when I, but when I sit down to write, I usually just have a voice in my head you know, a voice or voices. And I work my way through the manuscript with those voices. Like those are the voices that I follow through the narrative. And it evolves for me on the page, much in the way that it will evolve for my reader. You know, so like I, I get to know my, my characters on the page. They reveal themselves to me in pieces the way you know, anyone in a relationship would, right? You know, you get to know a little bit more and a little bit more, and then you get to know about their past, and then you get to know about what motivates them, and then you get to know, you know, what they're hiding and whatnot. And so that's kind of how it always has worked for me. I've written every single book that way. Um, And I just kind of walk into it with this, you know, this faith that if I have this feeling, you know, and I have these ideas and I have this voice in my head that there is a story there and I just have to find my way to it. And that's kind of how I do it. So yeah, it's a constant surprise. I'm constantly surprised. And that, I guess that must come, come through then if you're surprised writing, then we're surprised reading. And um, I hope so. You know, I, yeah. hope, I feel like that's kind of the, you know, cause I, I know that, you know, people fall into two really distinct camps with this, you know, there's, people that do all the plotting and there's people that, you know, I like to think of it as gardening. You know, you plant a seed and you watch it grow, right? You give it light and air. Maybe you prune it a little bit. You kind of let it evolve over time, you know? And so a lot of people do it each way. And I don't necessarily think you can choose the way, the way you do it, you know, but for me, like I write for the same reason that I read, you know, cause I want to know what's going to happen. And I want to be in that same space with my reader. You know, I want to be super involved, you know, like have that feeling of being like really just deeply invested in what's happening to the people on the page, you know? And I feel like if I can't bring that to the page as a writer, then how can I, how can I, you know, how can I give that to my reader? That's sort of how I I view it. Is there anything that's really, um, either changed about your process, you know, 20, 20 novels in and they're, they're such big bestsellers now. And um, is there anything that's either changed a lot about your process or anything you kind of wish you could go back and tell yourself at book one? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like it's interesting because everything about the business has changed, right? You know, I, I started off in publishing at 22 years old you know, uh, my first job was in a public as a book publicist, right? And so, you know, when I started in publishing, like, you know, there's no social media, there was just barely had cell phones, you know, there was like, you know, just a complete was a completely different universe in publishing, right? And from that point to to now, you know, 30, uh, 30 years, or almost 30 years later, 
you know, everything about the business itself has changed, you know, from marketing to distribution to, um, you know, publicity, all of it is completely, is completely different than it was when I started. But for me, for the writing process, you know, like I've been writing since I was a kid, like I was writing long before I was published. I was, you know, writing as a little kid, you know, in grade school, middle school, high school, I, I started my first novel when I was in college. And for me, the process of writing has always been, you know, sort of the same in terms of, you know, like I kind of open this escape hatch and like disappear inside what I'm working on, you know, and that has always been the way I, the way I do it since, you know, since I started writing, like, I don't even remember a time before I was a writer and a reader, you know? Yeah. And um, so, and I think that I find something comforting about that, you know, cause I feel like no matter how much the business changes, you know, there's still one thing that doesn't change, right? People write, we have stories we want to tell. And the other thing that doesn't change is that people read. It doesn't matter how, what format they're getting their books in or where they're getting their books, right? You know, um, but they want, they want those stories. And so there's like, that's the, that's the, you know, that's the, the joy of it, right? The writer reader connection, like that part, that piece never changes. That's, I, I love that. And kind of, connecting to characters and um, being kept on the edge of your seat by the plot. And yeah, that's all um, timeless, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's ancient in a way, you know, like humans narrate, you know, that's what we do. That's what we have always done. You know, it's what separates us from other creatures. You know, we imagine, we narrate, we create meaning, we, you know, we do this as a matter of course, you know, and even like in the writing of thrillers, you know, like Lee Child always talks about how he thinks like the first story ever told was a thriller, you know, it was like told around the campfire. And it was like, you know, about how, you know, the hero defeated the villain or the hunter felled the beast and, you know, fed the tribe for the winter. There were stories that we told each other to make ourselves feel braver in the dark. And that's always really resonated with me. You know, I always, I always go back to that idea because I really think that is why people read crime fiction and certainly why I write crime fiction. Right. And I think in addition to sort of um, kind of whatever the harrowing circumstances are or um, kind of any mystery, we're also in in this book in particular, um, the kinds of thrillers I think I'm, I'm drawn to the most really connecting with the characters and um, caring about them and what's going to happen to them. And I thought it was interesting with Hannah. It was like, how can you make, how can you up the ante even more in terms of like, the level of anxiety she's going to feel in this situation. Like let's have her um, leave her baby at home. Like every parent can relate to that. I have young kids. Like you can't reach the grandmother babysitter. You're already anxious about leaving them. Like let's, let's add that. Like, I just thought that was just in terms of like developing her character and everything. I thought that was so interesting. Was she, did she kind of come to you first as a character? Yeah, she was definitely the first. Uh, Hannah and Henry were my two, you know, um, biggest drivers through the through the narrative. But Hannah is definitely, you know, all all of your characters 
you know, have a piece of you in them and none of them do, you know, like it's fiction, right? So you're, of course, you're drawing from your subconscious and whatnot. But like, I think, you know, of all the characters that I've written, you know, like some of the things about Hannah, like, you know, how she's like Captain Safety, you know, and how she's like the one people call when, you know, when things go haywire and, you know, all this. Like, I, I really related to that part of her, you know, and I remember those, you know, those times of having to leave, you know, my daughter for the first time, you know, and like that, that, that feeling of anxiety, right? Like, as a mom, like, it's not like, and it's the thing that like, nobody ever talks about, right? Is that like, you know, everybody says like, your you as a, your mom's worst nightmare is like, that something horrible will happen to your child. But there's the other flip side of that, as your mom's nightmare is that something horrible will happen to you. Yep. And that you won't be there to take care of your child, right? So that's the other like, sort of, you know, dark, kind of underpinning. And, you know, I kind of dredge all this stuff up for my own. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) right, for my own fears and the stuff that I dealt with when my daughter was young and all that stuff. And, you know, I, and I feel like I really related to that element. And for me, if I had, you know, was in some kind of an extreme circumstance, that would be my number one worry would be that I couldn't get back to my child. And I yeah. think that probably most moms relate relate to that feeling. Definitely. And as you're reading, um, I feel like I was just extra panicked for her. Right. And well, and I thought it was interesting too, the whole idea of because I hadn't thought about this, you know, we're we're giving up or, or we have these strange circumstances of just like trusting everything will be okay when we go and like stay in strangers' houses and then also <laughs> Everything will be okay when we give these companies all of our information about oh, like who we are and our genetics and everything else, which I, I again had never thought about. Um, that I'm that sorry. is kind of strange that we just <laughs> yeah. do that. And I yeah. I thought it was so interesting kind of seeing that play yeah. out. Yeah, I mean that's definitely one of the things that, you know, I mean it's definitely something that I touched on with you know, some of my other, some of my other novels is just like, you know, how quickly and easily, you know, we give away our privacy without even thinking about it, you know, and with that, and, and that we turn over all of our personal data to basically corporations that whose sole existence is, is basically to mine our data. Like when you're talking about social media, Right. Like that's the only reason they exist is to create your data, is to collect your data and to sell it to people so that they can sell things to you. Right. Like that is literally all it is. And most people don't really see it that way. They're like, oh, it's just this fun way that I connect with my friends. It's like, sure. But that's the you know, that's the lure. That's how they rope you in and how they get you sharing. And you give so much of yourself away in social media, where you live, where your child goes to school, and without even thinking about it, oh, we're at the picnic today, blah, 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 you know, like, this is just how we have evolved, right, within the framework of social media, it's a new way that we connect to each other, and we have forgotten that we're turning over our data to corporations, and we all know that, you know, corporations have not exactly earned our trust, and yet... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, here it is. Same with the DNA testing. You know, like you're basically turning over all your private medical data to a company and you have no idea what they're going to use it for. There's it's the Wild West. There are no laws. 
There's no, there's no regulation. You've turned over your DNA to a company because you're like, oh, yeah, I want to see if I have any, you know, cousins or, oh, I want to know what my heritage was or, oh, I want to see, you know, what town in Italy I came from. You know, and all that is great. You know, that's that's a curiosity that, again, that's a human thing, right? Like you want to create a narrative of your life, right? That's what, you know, that's what you want to do as a person. Like that's a natural thing. But you're doing it by giving this data to, you know, um, a corporation. You don't know who they're going to sell it to or what they're going to use it for. Well, and it definitely makes it so that uh, certain secrets cannot be kept that people probably thought would that never be unearthed, yes. which is I mean, interesting that's, of course, too. That's the whole other side of it, right? It's like most people who do these tasks, like a lot, like a high percentage of people learn things that they did not know about their family. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, that's really interesting to me too, you know, as a writer, you know, it's like, again, like how does this technology change the way we relate to each other? Why are secrets kept? you know, for what reason to protect, to, you know, to, to protect your child, to protect the parent, like whatever. But, you know, once the stat is out, once you have the access to this new information, then you can no longer really keep secrets. Right. It makes it um, probably a very, a very interesting time to be um, a thriller writer. There's just so many different um, <laughs> ways you can go. Um, Actually, I was on, I was, I was like on the reading the wall street journal or something. And it was like, you know, top 10 best gifts, you know, for the person who has every, who has everything. <laughs> and one of the gifts was a DNA testing kit. I was like, Oh no. <laughs> Maybe read this book first. <laughs> um, well, I did kept thinking too, as I was reading that it's definitely a book that I can picture so vividly on screen. And I know that one of your books is going to be coming to Netflix. I'm just curious, like how involved you are with that or what it's been like to kind of, you know, know that your, your book is going to be brought to life in that way. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, It it was a, 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 it, you know, all this stuff is kind of, it's kind of glacial, you know, like, and you know about it like long before you can say anything and all that stuff. So um, about a year ago, I, I, heard from Jessica Alba's team through my film agent, you know, how much she had loved the book. I had a, like a zoom meeting with her and her um, production company, which was like, you know, complete like fangirl moment. <laughs> and um, yeah. And she's just such an amazingly like her persona, her online persona is very like sort of bubbly and light and happy and all that, but she's very serious. You know, she's very serious business person. And she's like, very passionate about the book, you know, she really connected with it on a deep level. And that really meant something to me, you know, and then they brought on um, a couple months later, we were able to, um, uh, Jessica Alba was able to partner with Sharice Castro Smith as the writer and Sharice wrote Encanto. Um, Oh, yeah. But she also wrote The Haunting of Hill House, which is like, you know, the remake on Netflix. And so she's got this incredible range and, they're such a powerhouse team. And so last I heard that, you know, there's a script and it's making its rounds through notes and stuff like that. And um, I'll, you know, I guess have an opportunity to 
see it at some point. Um, but I'm I'm not really involved in the in the creation process at this point. I was involved early on, like we had a lot of early conversations about like how do you view the structure of the book? You know, I had some questions from Sharice before she started writing and stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, so from that foundational um, level, I was involved. And I know I'll get to see the script at some point and I'll make my notes and then probably they'll completely ignore. It's such a different, it's a different thing. You know what I mean? Like the book is mine. The book belongs to me, right? I created it. It's, it's the story that I wanted to tell, you know, and now it's going to take this new form. And, and there's going to be another creative team using that book to create a new thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at peace with that. You know, I'm at peace with that. And I'm also happy that, you know, the team is so dynamic and they've got such an amazing amount of talent to bring to it. So I'm just, you know, I'm excited to see how it will evolve. Yeah. Hopefully. I'll be excited to watch when it, yeah. when it comes. Well, I always love to ask authors what um, they're reading. Are there any books that you'd want to recommend to listeners? Yeah, I mean, I I am very sort of fortunate in that I get to read a lot of stuff like very, very early. Um, and I, you know, I get galleys and, and everything. And so one one of the um, one of the things I've recently read that's about, I think it comes out in February is It's One of Us by J.T. Ellison. Um, JT is a, is a pal. And also, you know, she, I knew that her book sort of had some of the elements of, uh, the, you shared some elements with secluded cabin and, you know, we had talked about it. So I was super eager to read and see what her, you know, what her vision was and what her take on all that was. And, uh, and so it was just a, you know, uh, just an, uh, you know, she's definitely one of the, one of the best, you know, psychological suspense writers out there. And the book is just super twisty and, you know, really, really smart and uh, very emotional as well. Very layered. So I really just enjoyed that read a lot. Oh, that sounds great. I'll definitely have to yeah. have to link to that. Do you find it tricky to kind of read other thrillers like do you have to some sometimes like read something completely different to not kind of like mess with your head while you're writing that's a good question I do I read a lot I mean and I read across genre you know all the time I'm not just a mystery thriller reader I you know I never was it's a you know it's of course it's a favorite you know area but I also read a ton of nonfiction. you know I'm always researching some topic or another and I always like you know um you know, really enjoy, you know, sort of deep diving into nonfiction topics, because it really, you know, informs my fiction. And so I do Mm -hmm. a lot of nonfiction reading, you know, and um, I recently just sort of decided that, you know, like, it's a kind it's a tiny bit of an occupational hazard, that as you, you have to, you have to read so much as an author, right? Like, you have to read books for research, you have to, you know, you feel like you have to be up on what everybody's doing. You want to read, you get tons of books early for blurbs. So you wind up reading a lot, a lot of, you know, new authors and stuff. And that's a really cool thing, but you could also kind of push away your, you know, the time that you have to just read the thing that you actually want to read. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have recently, 
you know, just decided that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be prioritize, you know, reading a book just because I want to read it, not because I have to read it or I've, I've been asked to read it. And so, um, yeah, so I, I wound up uh, picking up a copy of Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel. And so I'm currently reading that and, you know, that's a completely different, you know, a completely different animal from anything that I'm thinking about or, or, or writing or anything else that I'm reading. And it's very nourishing in that way. Well, I think protecting your reading life from just becoming like another part of your job is probably, yeah. Cause I could see how that would just, you know. Yeah, all all the all the reading time and make it not so fun anymore, too. Right. And librarians know that so well, you know, because my mom is a librarian, you know, so I have a special place in my heart for library people, you know, because like, you know, I always say librarians are like the the only people that are like as geekily into stories (laughs) as writers are. Yes. Like we are completely like, you know, simpatico in that way. Like we both come to it from this deep you know, passion and we're all readers first. Like that's where we fell in love with story. Yeah. You know? And so to, to lose that, to, you know, or to put the, to shelve that is a lot, is a loss that I don't think you can really sustain. You know, you have to sort of protect that reading life and that love story by reading. Yeah. You truly want to read. Yep. You don't want to lose that reading joy. That would be, that would be very sad. <laughs> it would be. Um, well, I really hope that listeners go pick up Secluded Cabin Sleep Six. Maybe not before your next Airbnb vacation, unless you're braver than I am. During your Airbnb, <laughs> or during that's what I would suggest. Oh my gosh! Um, yes, I just it is um, such a great book to kind of fly through and stay up way too late reading. And, um, it's gonna scare you in such a good way. And, but also the characters will stay with you and keep you thinking. And I just loved it. So, um, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. I loved getting to hear more about the book and your process and best of luck with continuing to promote it and, um, with everything you're working on now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the great chat and the interview and for sharing about the book. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.